As the automobile became more and more popular, many Americans began to hit the highway and travel the country at ease. Prior to the interstate system, national highways were the main way of travel between states, of which Route 20 was one. Most of these roadways made their way through cities, towns, and communities, making the need for accommodations and activities for these visitors. Harbor Creek was a perfect stop between Buffalo and Cleveland as the gateway to Erie from the east, making it a prime area for some of these establishments to pop up. Tourism quickly became vital to Harbor Creek and the Buffalo Road Corridor, and while agriculture remained a staple of the community, it supplied another significant source of income for the local economy. Hello! Welcome to this episode of Artery of the Community, Stories of Buffalo Road, a Mercyhurst University Public History Senior Project. My name is Stephen Meradian, and I am your host. On this episode, we will discover how tourism and recreational activities have impacted Buffalo Road and the Harbor Creek community, including camping, nightlife, and high school sports. Convenience, comforts, cleanliness, and courtesy. These are the four C's that the Weaver's Tourist Camp promised to travelers of the Buffalo Road Corridor, many of which were making their way to destinations west via Route 20. Weaver's Camp stood on the north side of Buffalo Road, across the street from the Harbor Creek Historical Society and Township Building. Unfortunately, the original building burned in the late 1920s, however a new building was completed in 1930. The camp featured five cabins which gave travelers a place to rest on their journeys. Weaver's was just one of the many tourist camps that lined Route 20, giving simple accommodations for the newly popular travel by automobile. Locals may notice the stone fireplace that stands in the front of the grounds of the Harbor Creek Township Building. This is the last remnant of the Russell Log Cabins complex owned by Leo Russell and his wife Nina Gifford of the Gifford family who lived on the property. The Russells moved to the property in 1901 and offered produce for sale to passersby. Nina liked to offer sandwiches and such, and they suddenly had the idea for a restaurant. The Russells soon had a fully functioning restaurant and roadhouse built with large stones found on the property. The fireplace that stands today was a part of this structure. Russells was looking to expand their enterprise. Much like the Weaver's Camp, Leo decided it would be lucrative to provide small cabins, the Russell ones were 10 by 10, for tourists passing through Harbor Creek on the Route 20 journeys. In the 1930s, Leo built 21 cabins from timber also found on the property. Each cabin featured only a toilet and wash basin. The restaurant operated until the war forced its closure in 1944. Later in the 1940s, a shower building was added to the property, as the cabins did not have them individually. The log cabins were deconstructed and replaced with wooden ones until the construction of Interstate 90 all but ended the business in the 1960s. The property was sold to Harbor Creek Township in 1967 and would become the future site of the Harbor Creek Township building. The fireplace was left standing as the last remnant of the Russell's influence. While the Weaver's Camp and Russell Log Cabins spawned more or less out of necessity for automobile travelers, they were far from the first accommodations to arise in Harbor Creek along Buffalo Road. The Hume Hotel, where the Fiddle Inn is located today, was built in 1807 as a stagecoach stop between Erie and Northeast. It provided rooms and dining for travelers along what at the time was a small trail that led out of Erie headed east towards Buffalo. Though neither city was much to write home about, it is said that the Hume Hotel had several famous guests throughout the years. President Lincoln signed the hotel registry in 1860, having a meal there before heading to Buffalo. President McKinley made a stop on the day before he would be assassinated, also in Buffalo, in September of 1901. 
The great inventor Thomas Edison also visited the hotel, staying in one of its rooms in 1918 while visiting with Edward Dodge and the Edison Electric Plant, which would become General Electric Facility in Lawrence Park. In 1834, the Hume Hotel was renamed the Keystone Tavern and received its liquor license. After the Gage Wars, four of the arrested were released and Harbor Creek residents threw a large gathering at the tavern to celebrate. Meanwhile, across the street, on the north side of Buffalo Road, Martin Anstead, a violinist in the Erie Philharmonic, opened the Fiddle Inn as a tavern, gas station, and bed and breakfast. The inn quickly became a local place to gather and was welcoming to musicians, as Mr. Anstead was known for his violin playing. In 1942, the Fiddle Inn, as its name changed hands, was purchased by sisters Mary Cadicio and Helen Whitford. They were joined by their parents in its operation a year later. By this time, back across the street, the Keystone Tavern had been bought by Johnny Knoll. Knoll bought the property in 1898 and officially named it Knoll's Hotel, though it was just plain old Johnny Knoll's to locals. Knoll was known as one of the best E-flat coronetists in the country and conducted the Park Theater Orchestra. The entire Knoll family were renowned musicians and even had their own family band, which was considered one of the best in the country during the 1870s and 80s. Johnny's establishment catered to Erie's elite, and yet another president dined at the property when President Harding stopped during his tenure. In addition to fine dining, the Knoll Hotel was noted for its ballroom dancing. When Knoll died in 1941, his wife continued to operate the hotel and, until the sisters purchased it. The sisters Mary and Helen moved the fiddle in across the street to Johnny Knoll's old place where it remains today. The Instead home was purchased by Floyd Richards, who owned a store nearby. More information about the Fiddle Inn, Richard's Little Store, and the village of Harbor Creek is available in the episode regarding business and my interview with Nancy Brown. Consistent with the suburban sprawl already happening in Harbor Creek in the 1960s and 70s, Buffalo Road continued to build a reputation as the center business area of the township. This included recreational activities that were enjoyed by locals and visitors alike. Located at 4646 Buffalo Road, Skateway Roller Rink operated in the 1970s as a place primarily for younger folks to hang out, dance, and skate. It hosted skating parties, theme nights, private parties, and many people even my age will remember their famous school parties. Like many roller rinks, Skateway eventually fell out of favor and closed in the 2000s, but it was an entertainment staple of Buffalo Road Corridor for three decades and was a safe place for the young people of Harbor Creek to gather and mingle. Another staple of entertainment along the Buffalo Road Corridor was and remains Eastway Bowling Lanes. Les Lytle bought the bowling alley at 4110 Buffalo Road in 1960. Eastway originally boasted 16 bowling alleys before the building was expanded in 1967 to make way for eight more lanes. In 1977, more land was acquired to make way for a new parking lot to service the business. As part of the new addition, locker rooms, a kitchen, lounge, and a new counter were added. 1988 saw Eastway renovate even more space, knocking down the original foyer area and constructing a pro shop, snack bar, restaurant, and meeting room. Les Lytle, the mastermind behind Eastway, died in 1966, but the Lytle family holds on to the business and it remains one of the oldest single-family-owned businesses in Harbor Creek. The alley has hosted numerous PBA national tour events, as well as countless and local and state tournaments. It remains one of the most popular recreational spots in the township. Located at 2101 Nagel Road, just south of Buffalo Road, sits the Eastside YMCA. The Eastside Y was a state-of-the-art facility when it opened in January of 1978. It featured a bubble dome over the pool area, which was one of the few in existence at the time. Locals could rent the pool space for private use for $35 per hour. The construction of a YMCA on the east side of Erie created a space for recreation and physical activity that Harbor Creek desperately needed. 
Today, the East Side Y is still a center of community building and recreational activity in Harbor Creek, now with an outdoor pool space, youth sports leagues, and even availability for party rentals. An episode on recreation would be remiss without highlighting Harbor Creek High School athletics. Football was introduced to Harbor Creek High School in 1929, though the first team struggled to be successful, being outscored 238-6 in their inaugural season. The team's colors were orange and black, the same as they are today. However, they had no official mascot. According to a letter written by Lewis Henry to Harbor Creek School Administration, he suggested using the Husky as the official team mascot, named after the Husky dogs used in Admiral Richard Byrd's expeditions to the South Pole occurring around 1933. The name was accepted, and the rest, they say, is history. Though the first mention of the team being called the Huskies did not appear until 1939, they were previously known as the Tigers. The class of 1939 is credited with establishing the Husky as the official Harbor Creek mascot. While not directly related to tourism or recreation, a segment on Harbor Creek High School warrants coverage of the wartime efforts of the students and faculty at the Central School. The Central School, the original Harbor Creek High School, was located just west of the village, near where the water tower stands today. During World War II, many students and faculty desired to help the war effort, as did many Americans. The U.S. Army had formed the Aircraft Warning Service, or the AWS, that used volunteers to man observation stations in search of enemy aircrafts. The Central School was one of these locations. Students and faculty volunteered to be spotters perched from the school cupola. A phone line was sent up to the cupola, and the spotter would scan the horizon for any aircraft. The spotters carried aircraft identification cards with diagrams depicting warplanes so the spotter would know if the plane they saw was American or enemy. Harold Kirk, author of many resources used in this project, was one of these spotters. He writes that it was a real honor to serve our country in a time of war, but adds that he thinks some of the students just got a kick out of being allowed up in the cupola. The campus of Harbor Creek High School in its present location on the corner of Depot Road and Buffalo Road was built as the original junior high school constructed in 1940. A major addition came in 1952. The football and baseball fields were renovated to their current state between 1999 and 2001, creating a fantastic space for athletes and spectators alike to enjoy games. Like many communities across the United States, Friday night football games are a staple of Harbor Creek. The Huskies' football success has been varied over the years, as has the success of other sports such as basketball, baseball, volleyball, track and field, swimming, golf, wrestling, cross-country, and tennis. Harbor Creek has found consistent success in soccer and softball, with the softball team winning the school's only PIAA state title in 2006. Harbor Creek has maintained a local rivalry with nearby Iroquois High School. The two districts are connected by Buffalo Road and the Nagel Road Bridge, a point of contention among the fans of both sides. In fact, in 2012, their football rivalry was renewed with the creation of the Battle of the Bridge game to be played on the first football Friday of the season. The winner of the game would claim the Nagel Road Bridge as their own for that season. The schools took this game very seriously. Iroquois even erected billboards with, Time to Defend Our Bridge Nearby. Large pep rallies with bonfires lit the sky at both schools on the Thursday night before each game. Alternating between the two home stadiums, Paul J. White Stadium in Harbor Creek and John Post Stadium in Lawrence Park, the games were some of the most attended all season. This game meant a lot to locals. Many people knew friends and family who lie on the other side of the matchup, hoping to gain bragging rights. Harbor Creek must not have appreciated the billboards as they dominated the first two matchups of the renewed rivalry over their local foes. Due to some redistricting alignments, the game was discontinued in 2019. However, it can be assumed that the rivalry will find its way back in the future. The schools meet in other sports as well, with just as fierce of competition. 
High school sports remain an important element to community building in Harbor Creek and are a vital part of the Buffalo Road Corridor. So I'm here with Martha Smith Bunnell, who is the granddaughter of Leo and Nina, uh, who owned the Russell's Log Cabins business in Harbor Creek. So thank you for being here. Uh, you're very welcome. I appreciate you including me in this. Yeah, so just to get started, describe what it was like growing up around the business. Uh, did you have a role in the operation? If so, uh, what was that? Well, we actually moved there when I was seven years old. My grandparents at that time uh, were in their 60s and were wanting help with the business. They had actually already asked uh, all of their other children, and none of them were interested, but it came at good timing for my parents and I, so uh, we moved there when I was seven. Uh, First summer, I got to just play and explore the new property, but starting the following year, I was very much involved because... I was with my either my mom or dad or grandma or grandpa all day long, and I was doing whatever they were doing. So uh, we not only had the tourist cabins, but we also farmed uh, the front half of the 70 acres. So I might be found out in the field uh, hoeing with my dad or um, pulling dirty laundry, uh, taking it to my grandma to wash, um, following my granddad around as he was renting the cabins and kind of learning from him because he was a real expert at it. He would um, not only end up renting a cabin for the night, but he'd end up with a lifelong friend. He was just that kind of guy. So um, as I got older, of course, my duties um, got more and more. Um, I mainly uh, worked there, although I did do a little work next door for my cousin Jerry Blanchfield. But um, mainly I worked at home and did whatever else was going on there. Um, I think, what else was a part of that? Mm. My role? And what was the rest of the question? Uh, just what it was like growing up around the business. Mm, okay. Um, to me, it was very exciting. Um, some people might have thought I had it kind of rough because I was always working with my parents, but I found that actually was a blessing because we had a lot of family time together. And I never even got to question it. I just got up in the morning, found out what there was to do, and went out to do it. So, of the tourists that were patronizing the camp, where were they generally from? Where were they going? Uh, was there any use by locals? Um, who was who was there? Oh, okay. Um, most of our business came from people traveling on Route 20, which was the main route from Buffalo to Cleveland. Of course, our section called the Buffalo Road. But um, most of our people were out-of-town tourists. Now, earlier, my grandparents had a restaurant, and I don't know if you want to go into the restaurant part of the business. Yes, absolutely. Okay. 
um, my grandma and grandpa were married in 1900. The first couple of years, they lived in Erie, and he worked in an iron factory. But it was very hot and hard work. So after Grandma Russell's father passed away, they moved out to the property, and he began farming. So he farmed, I don't know how many years, before he the idea to um, put a log building out by Buffalo Road and sell pop, and um, then he expanded to pop and sandwiches. <laughs> I hear that my grandma's beef sandwiches were made from filet mignon, and they were very popular. At that time, their business was coming locally from, people would come out from Erie for the sandwiches. And then they opened a restaurant and um, became like a, though they had a dance hall, um, still the fireplace is still there. And that was the fireplace in the restaurant. And again, that would be mostly locals. And then they found out that people stopping at the restaurant might want a place to stay overnight. So then they started building cabins and they used the logs from the back of the property. Everything was made of logs. And let's see. So that would be sort of a mixture uh, going from local to more travelers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, so describe the impact of Interstate 90 on the business. I'm sure it affected it probably adversely, uh, as it did many Buffalo Road operations. Um, I know the uh, roadhouse closed before the cabins, correct? Um, uh, well, it was the end, absolutely the end of our business. Uh, the first year, there were a lot of construction workers that were working on the road. So my parents were able to rent long-term to them. I Normally, we only, you know, it was only nightly rentals, but um, once the workers came, uh, they many of them stayed at our cabins. But once the road was completed, um, there was just no more business. There was the exit at Harbor Creek, but there was a couple other tourist businesses that would have been closer so I don't believe my parents ever even tried to get any of the interstate business. They just quit. Started uh, taking down each of the cabins because the taxes were based on how many buildings. So one of the things they did was uh, pick grapes down in Northeast to get the tax money, but then they also started taking down buildings, but really uh, pretty much ended my mom and dad's income. Right. Yeah, that has you know, happened to, unfortunately, it happened to many businesses, not only in Harbor Creek, but you know, all over the country when the interstate sure. system was built. Um, you give us anything else that uh, you would like to add? I have one more question, but before... We do that. Um, yeah, I'd like to open it to you. Um, let me see here. Something else to add. Um, let's see. Your last question will be, 
what about the legacy? Or? Yeah, yeah, and we can go into that. I, I didn't know if you wanted to add something else. Um, why don't we just go ahead through that, and then um, I'll see if I think of anything that we've left sure. out. <laughs> so what would you say is the legacy of Russell's on Buffalo Road and in the Harbor Creek community, and how are the memories that were made there being preserved? I know the... Uh, fireplace is still there but that's a great that's a great question um first of all as i was growing up there um my only involvement with harbor creek was going to school i went to brookside elementary one year to central and then to harbor creek junior senior high school but as far as our family uh we went to church in erie used the Erie Library, did our shopping, doctors, dentists, just almost everything we did was in Erie. So I never personally felt a part of the community other than, of course, school and school spirit and football games and all that good stuff. But um, I felt that my parents and my grandparents and my ancestors before that were all very honest, hardworking, upstanding citizens. Um, my dad in particular taught me to put other people first and your handshake is the same as uh, a written document. If you said something and shook on it, that was that was it. And, like, if you were going to meet somebody, always get there early so that you didn't keep them waiting. That was the kind of guy that my dad was. Um, as far as our history being preserved, uh, we're very fortunate in two ways. First of all, Harbor Creek Township bought our 70 acres after the interstate went through and my husband and I moved to Connie Lake, my parents moved also and sold. And when my mom sold the property, she made a deal with Harbor Creek Township that they would preserve the fireplace. So Harbor Creek Historical Society has done a very nice job of putting a plaque there and, um, you know, kind of in memory of, of our family. And then next door, the Blanchfield property, which actually was part of the original homestead back in 1830, um, it now houses the Harbor Creek Historical Society. And we have, um, well, we've done a lot of biographies, like I wrote the biographies for um, Leo and Nina and during the pandemic, I wrote for my mom and dad, which I have not sent to the Historical Society yet. Um, let me see, what else? Oh, uh, letters. Um, <clears throat> when my mom and dad were moving, they found a old mustard tin, pretty big, up in the attic, and it contained all of the letters that Eunice Gifford had received all the way from uh, 1830s up to the up to her death in the 1890s. So we have a real treasure trove of letters which we have donated to the Historical Society. 
So I really feel like that anyone interested could find out a lot about our family by visiting the Historical Society. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great job. I actually, the uh, newsletter that I was featured in several months ago, I was looking at in research for this, and then I found out that you're the one that wrote it. <laughs> so I was like... Oh, about the fireplace. Yes, yes. And I was yes, like... I wrote a fireplace article, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just very happy to be descended from um, such a good stock of people. Um, not wealthy, but... Uh, hardworking and honest and upright. Right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, I will open it, you know, once more if you have anything else to add, but that was really great and I think adds, um, you know, a great, um, whatever. it's a great addition to the project. So thank you. All righty. Well, I think we'll just leave it at that then and you can go read all those histories if you like. <laughs> all, right. all right. I could even send you my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I'm... All right. Well, thank you so much for interviewing me. Yeah, thank you. You may not find it in any tour books, but Harbor Creek and Buffalo Road offer no shortage of things to do. Whether it be cheering on the Huskies at a football game, bowling at Eastway Lanes, having a libation at the Fiddle Inn, or a swim at the YMCA, Harbor Creek has continually offered locals and visitors alike opportunities to let loose. For a small community, Harbor Creek seems to often find itself at the center of important events. Its location between three major cities has primed itself for success in many sectors, with tourism being no exception. Travelers of Buffalo Road should continue to find ample opportunities to entertain themselves as the road and township continue to develop into the future. Until next time on Artery of a Community, Stories of Buffalo Road, I have been Stephen Reagan, and thank you for listening to this Mercyhurst University Public History Project.